You're listening to 91.5 FM WPRK, Winter Park, Florida, the voice of Rollins College, and the best in basement radio. You are tuned into the Motorsports Hour, talking about all sorts of racing. It happens here on WPRK every Sunday night from 8 to 9 p.m. Let me give you the website, themotorsportshour.com and WPRK.org. Check us out online. Take us with you wherever you are in the world via whatever podcast app your favorite one may be. And uh, yeah, search for us. Find all kinds of cool stuff about the Motorsports Hour online, everywhere it is. My name is Clark. I am your host alongside me tonight, as always, Mr. Chris Wire to Wire, who's working on his microphone over there. How's that How's that mic looking there, Wire? You're going to have to tell me. It's, it's sounding perfect. Okay. Sounding great. So, All right. I, I, I tell you what. It, We're it go, is, then. We are. We are go. It is a... Um, it is a big day. Look, we celebrated Father's Day last week because uh, we had the 24 hours of Le Mans, so I sat on the couch all weekend last weekend. Uh, but today is Father's Day, so kind of got a little bit of a double dip. Uh, two races today, IndyCar. Um, IndyCar from Road America, which anything from Road America is awesome. Uh, and then, of course, Formula One from Canada. And I have laryngitis for some reason. I, I don't know why. So I, and I, I was talk. just ready to blame the microphone. No, yeah, I'll just blame the mic. It's the mic that sounds bad. No, I don't know. I, I lost my voice. Feel fine, but who knows? It's the I, COVID twenty. I don't know what I have. But nonetheless, power through, buddy. Yep. So I'll apologize for my voice ahead of time, but hey, that's what you're getting tonight. So I tell you what, Wire. It, was a, it, it wasn't. It was a hot Father's Day, but it was nice. You know, I get get to do uh, a little bit of yard work and that kind of thing here and there. But nonetheless, but racing in the afternoon, racing at a reasonable hour too. You know, from Canada, of course, it's a um, reasonable hour. We don't have to wake up at seven thirty in the morning to watch the race, and uh, you know, qualifying, practice, all that kind of stuff. Had had it going uh, on the TV at the office, uh, practice on Friday, and. You know, I, I, I like it when we race in Canada. I had forgotten how much I liked Canada, quite frankly. Um, and I think it gets overshadowed. I think it does, too. I will say this as well. Every time we go to Road America, like we were at IndyCar, it reaffirms my love for Road America. Indeed. You know, they repaved the track at Road America. It looks crazy fast. It looks awesome. Um, I'm glad we didn't go do it before. I'm yeah. glad we're only going to go do it under its current, you know, status, which is incredibly fast, scary yeah. fast, scary fast. We'll, we'll get into IndyCar here in a little bit, but ten miles an hour faster in some of the corners. Yeah, ten miles Just an hour apex. faster apex speed. Ridiculous. That's that's a lot of additional speed. Walls still concrete, still right there. Yeah, still looks scary. But it's still Road America. Uh, you know, it was a nice little weekend, a little little barbecue for, for dinner tonight, all that kind of good stuff. Good time had by all. Not the smoker, you know, 47 hours, sleeping two hours at a time No, kind of jam, right? No, no, not tonight. I, I wanted to do a brisket, but I decided now I'm just going to do some chicken. So barbecue chicken on the grill was quite tasty. Did the chicken thighs. So everybody, oh, you got to get the boneless, skinless chicken. Boneless, skinless, tasteless chicken. You can you can get chicken thighs already cut up and all that kind of stuff. Go with the chicken thighs, man. Really good barbecue. Yeah. Really good to barbecue. Yep. I always thought bone in barbecue was the way to go. Um, yeah, for chicken, no, eh, not okay. really. 
It, it's not my thing. Yeah. And same thing, like 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 when you when you smoke a turkey or something like that, everybody, oh yeah, smoke the whole turkey. Well, what I always do, I get like the smallest turkey you can find, and I'll smoke a turkey. So you have something to put on the table, and everybody looks at it and goes, "Oh wow, look at that turkey! That looks incredible! Wow, it's just a stunt. It's a prop. It's a mere <laughs> prop." Because I I do like ten breasts, turkey breasts. Because all anybody ever who wants the dark meat at Thanksgiving. Yeah. Like nobody. Actually, people in my family eat it. I like it quite well. My mother-in-law likes it. That's it. Nobody else will touch the dark meat. So you just get a bunch of breasts, smoke a bunch of breasts, and everybody's happy. Got a ton of butter, ton of butter on top of them because they got nothing going on in them. But anyway, <laughs> let's not talk Don't about reveal that. Reveal all your secrets. Yeah, there you go. My secrets, my secrets of barbecue. Let's talk about the 2023 Canadian Grand Prix, shall we? Absolutely. Let's let's go to Canada. Let's go to Montreal, to Quebec. Oui, oui. Yes. Um, here is something I did not know. Gunther Steiner, right? And, and, and it'll be interesting how I figure this out. Gunther Steiner, Italian guy, right? Guess what he did when he was, you know, growing Italian up? Italian guy. He's Italian. Never would have guessed. You didn't know that? Totally confusing. With a name like Gunther Steiner? I know Steiner? he knew Italian because in the net, one of the Netflix episodes, he and Matteo, uh, uh, what's his name, last name escapes me, but anyway. Benotto? Benotto, yes. Yeah. Um, we're you know, riding in one of these little tiny Italian cars and speaking Italian. So I figured, okay, yeah, he's multilingual. Great. Well, the, the reason why he knows Italian is because he's from Italy. I never would have guessed. Yeah. Murano, South Tyrol, Italy. I don't know where Murano is. All right. Um, I would have lost anyway, a bell. Yeah. Good thing yeah. I didn't. Yeah, it's right on the border, it looks like, um, with Switzerland to me. Um, is Gunther, in a, you know, a traditional Italian name? I don't think so. Uh, no, I, I don't think so either. But uh, he is from Italian, from 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 Italy. So anyway, um, that's why he knows Italian. But growing up, he played hockey. He was a goalie. Nice. So, of course, being in Montreal, home of the Habs, home of the Montreal Canadiens, um, the Canadians showed up in force. A bunch of the Canadian players were there, and um, this. This Instagram that I follow, Sila Brush, which is this woman who paints, who does the airbrushing for a lot of the hockey players, uh, specifically Andre Vasilevsky, the Lightning uh, goaltender, does all their masks. They did a custom Haas mask for him. They also did a helmet um, for Botas and I saw all the kinds Botas helmet. Yeah, really cool, yeah. I thought. Really cool. But they did a mask, a, a Haas Formula One-themed goalie mask. And it looked awesome. Nice. It looks awesome. For for Gunther Steiner, he got in the net. You know, some people ripped some shots on him, all that kind of good stuff. Um, he's not going to be making his debut in the uh, NHL anytime soon. But, you know, hey, he's 58 years old, I'm too. guessing he's probably not as limber as he used to be. Probably not. Probably not. But That stuff tends to go away. I'm not saying I know. But it tends to go away as you age. I thought it was really cool. The, the little bit of crossover there between hockey and 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 Formula One. I'm a big hockey fan uh, and a big Formula One fan. <laughs> uh, the mask looks awesome. It, it raises the question where I think almost every single racing driver's helmet looks stupid. It's a bunch of lines and then the like 
dash lines and like different colors and stuff, and they just look silly. And you look at like goalie masks in the NHL, and you go, "Those look awesome. Those not look really cool." Not yes, not, not all, all of them. them. Not all of them. But there's some of them that look really good and look really cool. There's very few racing driver helmets that I've seen that look really cool. I always like Shumi's helmet because you know it had the stars on the top and everything. I always thought that was cool. But why don't drivers send their helmets to Silobrush or whoever it is who do these goalie masks? Pay them whatever it is, a thousand, five thousand dollars. They would have to find them as cool as you. You know, and here's the other thing too, is even when you go to these various, you know, venues around the world, you tend to design your helmet over something like they did in Canada, you know, relative to where you're going. Yeah. And so that doesn't always play into a really superior, you know, design. It just has to be, it has to be relative. Yeah. Valtteri Botas, beavers and lumberjacks. He said, I like beavers. Yeah. I, 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 I thought it was funny. I thought it was funny. I thought it was It's a cartoon. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like lifelike or anything like that. It was. It was a cartoon. It was fun. You know that kind of stuff. But, yeah. Um. You know, I'm kind of. I kind of lean toward the. Uh, I styled my last. You know, custom racing helmet after Michael Andretti's IndyCar helmet. Okay. The cart when he raced cart, and you know, it's got stars and stripes, and it's got various shades of blue and red, and you know, all this stuff, and. It's designed so there's streaks of silver in there to indicate, you know, suggest speed and stuff like that. And that's, I like it. That's kind of, you know, what most people go for in the abstract until they go someplace where they want to do something special. Yeah. And, and, and I'm that, kind of down with that. And see, that's the thing. The standard, the standard racing helmet is the ones that I don't like. Like the Troy Lee design, which has kind of been the, the go-to for motorcycle helmets or racing helmets, Troy Lee designs. I have never liked their stuff. I just, it, I just don't like it. I just think it looks, it's, it's kind of played out. It's just a bunch of lines to me. Um, well, I mean, there's good lines and there's bad lines. Yeah. Just like there's good car designs and bad car designs. So, yeah, you know, it all depends on what um, you know. It, and color schemes, you know, can can make a big difference too because. You know, some of the color schemes that we get from these guys, where you know maybe they want to tie in you know the country that they're in and you know frankly i'm partial to the old glory so I, you know i like that color scheme and we go to other places where maybe i'm not as big a fan yeah well some some cool stuff going on uh for canada the track and you know the middle of the saint lawrence and everything they only use it basically once a year it looks awesome it it, it, it is a track that races so well it's a track that is exciting, and it's a track that, yeah, it's overshadowed by all of these other circuits that we go to and everything, and we talk about these great circuits and these great tracks. Canada could really be right up there with it, and, and I think one of the things that hurts Circuit Jill Villeneuve of why we don't talk in it, talk, talk about it in the same way we talk about the likes of Monza and the likes of Spa, one, it hasn't been around as long, and two... Nothing else races there. We don't see racing there all the time. And I think if we did, we would hold it in much higher regard than we do. Because it is a really cool racetrack. There's there's tight technical stuff. There's some 
crazy fast corners, some very high speed corners as well. It is a cool track. It's a great track. Yeah, it's got a little something for everybody. It's not easy. Um, yes. It's hard on the car. Yes. Um, it can be very hard on the driver. There's some incredibly high speeds. There's some incredibly um, short and uh, technical braking zones. Uh, we now have, uh, what, three or four DRS zones on the track. I mean, it's just, there, there's a lot to offer. Um, but, you know, we, we, we tend to lean toward the European tracks. Yep as the traditional venues and you know you and I both appreciate them for what they are and what they've been to the sport and I think you know the newer you know Austin has has you know claimed a, a warm part of my heart it's a great track it was uh you know the the renaissance of formula 1 in in uh, the United States um Suzuka historically you know really really neat technical track in yep. the same yep. vein as Canada but they don't tend to you know, like the passions of the fans, I guess, um, in the same way that, uh, you know, Monza does. Monza is a much less technical track than Canada is. Yeah, it um, is. But, you know, when we speak about it glowingly, and I love Monza, but, uh, you know, fortunately for us and for Formula One, you know, the, the fans embrace Canada. They showed up in droves Huge over crowd. the course of four days um, through some, you know, less than beautiful weather at times and um you know in the end they were treated to a very very nice weekend yeah it, it was and let's talk about that weather because it was absolutely awful Ooh, that's a good looking helmet right there wire why are you why are you showing me your helmet and stars stripes uh, that looks good that looks good that's that doesn't look like a troy lee design just a bunch of stupid lines that looks solid i like it i like it Turned out nice. What is that, like a Snell 95 on it or something? (laughs) (laughs) It could very well be. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to be legal anymore. Um, Let's talk about the weather. And this is something that has been a common um, issue in Canada in that it's, you know, summer in Canada and Montreal and, you know, you're going to have changing weather and all that. And guess what? We had it this year because qualifying was absolutely soaking wet. I mean, just absolutely sopping wet. Just, you know, you've got everybody out there kind of starting on some dries, then going to enters, then full wets, and all this kind of different stuff. It made for a very interesting qualifying, I thought. I I enjoyed qualifying, made for a mixed-up field, all that kind of stuff, and and it was exciting. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it had a little something for everybody again, and totally unpredictable. There wasn't anybody who I think really nailed qualifying correctly. Uh, you know, there were some that finished. You know, they qualified up further in the grid than they normally would have, but it isn't you know because they were superior strategists or anything. It's just you know, Lady Luck smiled on them a little bit, and they caught a break. Um, yeah, and then there were some people that got it entirely wrong, and uh, and suffered for it. So, you know, that leads to race day, and you know, there's there's a lot to uh, look forward to as you get this mix of, you know, normally faster cars, you know, back in the pack a little bit, and uh, 
some unusual names, you know, a little closer to the front of the grid. So let's jump right into it. Um, you know, we kind of start, we're on, we're on dries in Q1, uh, but it's, you know, some people are on enters, but everybody, the dry tire is really the one to go with. And, um, but it's, it is treacherous out there. If you get out of line, you get offline, you're going to have an issue. We had a red flag in Q1, um, you know, slow everything down go back out there and look, some people are turning some laps and, and getting out of Q1 and, and there isn't not a whole lot of surprises. I think Pierre Gasly might be a little bit of surprise that he didn't make it out of Q1. Well, yeah, I have a surprise because he was held up Yeah, on his final lap. You know, I mean, the, this, this thing, this tradition that they have, which this is a lesson that Formula One teams sometimes fail to learn in that, you don't when the weather is unpredictable. You don't wait until the very last two minutes of a qualifying session, without a banker or without you know a seriously competitive lap during the course of the first fifteen minutes or whatever. You don't just send your guy out and hope that he's just going to rip one because things happen, and in this case, somebody happened. Gasly got held up, and what was destined for maybe a sixth place lap time based on their predictive lapping, lap timing, he ends up 17th. Yeah. And we saw this a ton in Monaco, a ton of Monaco of, of you know, coming around a corner, a blind corner, and all of a sudden there's a car there, and, you know, they miss them by mere inches and everything. It's happening again in Canada. Why are, I, I'm, I'm of the mind that something needs to change before – we have a huge coming together of, you know, a car being, you know, maybe a little bit offline, but not quite enough offline at, you know, 50 miles an hour. And somebody's coming through at 150, at 120 miles an hour. You have an, an impact like that. It could be a very, very bad impact. And, I, and unfortunately, I think we're heading in that direction because I don't think we are doing enough in Formula One to prevent accidents like that from occurring and we've been very lucky that we didn't have one in monaco i mean some of the in-car video from monaco of of you know qualifying is is crazy of people coming around corners and then there's a car stopped and you know they miss it by six inches and then come around another corner and there's they missed the next car by eight inches this time same thing's kind of happening in canada the weather lends itself to that a little bit as well but all that being said i mean you have an impact that that it could be a very very bad thing i don't know what you can do or what exactly you can do. well I, I do know what you can do you gotta have a minimum lap time you gotta meet kind of thing and you gotta have a minimum speed in certain areas and all that kind of stuff and it's gonna be a lot of math yeah, that's and not everything. gonna happen especially but, since you know the q1 is the most populated session you know we're fortunate in canada that ghastly had runoff midway through the session because he actually got balked twice yeah so he's coming down the, uh, you know, the, the we call it the back straightaway. It's not really a back straightaway. It leads to the front straightaway, um, and it's only separated via chicane. But he's coming down at 310K, you know, 190 miles an hour. And there's cars that are stacking up at the chicane. Now, he's on a flying lap, and they're stacking up at the chicane. And, you know, they just barely get out of the way. But he at the speed he's going he doesn't have the confidence that they're actually going to do it. Now, they didn't cause an accident, 
but because the, the, the track that we're at had a bit of runoff in front of him, he was okay. But if you do something like that at Spain or you do something like that yep. at Mazda, Monza, you're into a barrier or worse. And so you're exactly right in that, you know, they need to address this later on in the session. Carlos Sainz just had him a day because he seemed to be in the way of everybody always. And he was rightly penalized for it. But, you know, they when Gasly was coming down to the chicane here, he just sneaks out of the way, and I think uh, one of the Alpha Tauris was there as well. And so they're trying to set up to launch onto the front straightaway, and they just getting out of the way isn't enough because had Gasly turned into the chicane, they would have been a foot apart at you know 100 plus miles an hour under braking. Yeah, and that's that. Nobody can have the confidence going into a corner like that. That. The person that's sitting near the next, right next to the apex, is going to see you first of all, and you know make sure that they stay out of the way. It's just, especially in those conditions. Lewis Hamilton himself, you know, got in the way of somebody under in a braking zone, and he, you know, he called in and said, "Look, I just couldn't see him. You know, my mirrors are all, you know, gummed up with road, uh, you know, spray and all that stuff from the weather." Yeah, lots of uh, grid penalties uh, handed out because of in, um, uh, impeding other drivers in uh, Q1, Q2, and Q3. Um, just lots and lots of issues uh, out there throughout the whole course of qualifying. We got to do something before there is a coming together and something you know awful happens because it, these cars are not made to hit things at you know close to two hundred miles an hour. No. And you know, to your point, signs later in the uh, in the session was going down that same exact straightaway, and he was technically within the limits of the rule. He was not on the racing line. The racing line was about four feet to his left, and he's going forty miles an hour. And whoever is going by, I forget who it was, might have been a Williams or somebody, but they're going three hundred and ten k. Yeah. And that's not, you know, it shouldn't be that way. There should be more, something written in the rule that, you know, you need to leave a lane and a half or whatever where it's possible. It's not possible on every track everywhere, but the standard needs to be changed in order to, you know, prevent, you know, an event that would ultimately change the rule anyway. Yeah. We don't want it to be an event that changes the rule. We want, you know, good sense to change it now. Yeah. Um, let's move on to Q2, uh, and Q2, what we had was, um, uh, well, here's who made it, who, here's who was out in Q1, uh, Yuki Sonoda, Pierre Gasly, Nick DeVries, Logan Sargent, Joe Guan Yu, uh, out in Q1, Q2, um, we, we get to Q2 again, it's kind of, okay, are we going to go dries, are we going to go enters, what are we going to do, there's a little bit of a dry line out there, but you got to get heat in the tires, you know, it's it's just a it's this is very difficult thing to do. I, I think the dries wore the fastest tire, but just made for all kinds of issues. You get out of line and you know, almost day done kind of thing. Well, and you have to you have to time it right. And, you know, maybe this is within your grasp or maybe it isn't as a you know, as a team boss, but some guys just didn't time it right. Yeah. And it put, you know, a couple of big names out in Q2 that we would normally expect to make it through. 
And, you know, there's a little bit of egg on your face because they kind of went a different strategy to everybody else. And lo and behold, everybody else kind of made it through to Q3 that we expected. And, uh, yeah, sitting 11th and 12th were Charles Leclerc and Sergio Perez. Yeah. Uh, Not great. No, not great at all. Ferrari, one Ferrari, one Red Bull getting knocked out in Q2. It's not what you're expecting. Uh, you know, Lance Stroll also getting knocked out in Q2 and the other Aston. Uh, Kevin Magnussen and the Haas getting knocked out and Valtteri Botas and the Alfa Romeo uh, getting knocked out in Q2. Then we go to Q3. And we, we go to Q3 and what we have in Q3 is a... Um, just... A, a, evidence that what you have to do is bank a lap perfect evidence of that you got to bank a lap you just got to do it you got to get out there you got to bank a lap and he got caught out earlier in the season in Miami by not banking a lap well Max Verstappen said I'm not going to get caught out this time went out there set a time You got a couple other guys coming across the line. Okay, they're behind Max, and then you you got a crash out there. Session stops. Um, red flag comes out. They stop the session. Bring everybody back in. And what happens when they bring everybody back in? Keeps raining. More water on the track. Everybody goes back out. Nobody can set a faster time. No, nobody can do anything. You got to bank a lap. And Max Verstappen banked that lap, set that fastest lap. Nico Hulkenberg then um, set, a, set a lap time literally maybe two seconds or three seconds right before the red flag came out. So his lap counted, and that meant the Haas was starting on the front row, right next to the Red Bull of Max Verstappen. Yeah, I mean, you you read this top five, and you could play a little game, you know, with somebody and say, one of these things does not belong. Yeah. So, George Russell, fifth. Lewis Hamilton, fourth. Fernando Alonso, in third. Nico Hulkenberg, in second. And Max Verstappen on pole. Yeah. Which one of these things, kids, doesn't belong? Right. Well, apparently it was Nico Hulkenberg, and they made sure of that, and they bumped him back. Uh, Nico Hulkenberg, a three-place grid penalty um, for a red flag infringement in Q3. He crossed the line, but apparently it was, you know, the yellow flag was out, and he made his fastest lap while there was a yellow on track or something. I don't know what exactly it was. He, he crossed before the red flag came out. I do know that, but... I. Or maybe he crossed right after it came out or something. I don't know. Yeah, but the red flag doesn't come out immediately. It always is preceded right. by a yellow. So, Well, whatever it was, he got a three-place grid penalty for it, for his efforts of being second fastest. So Nico Hulkenberg would not start from the front row. No, he would start back in um, fifth position, which bumped up uh, Fernando Alonso to the front row. Lewis Hamilton right behind Max Verstappen. George Russell would start in fourth uh, Nico Hulkenberg in fifth. Esteban Ocon uh, would start in sixth. Lando Norris in seventh. Oscar Piastri and the other McLaren in eighth. Alexander Albon. Yes, the um, 
Williams driver started in ninth, and Charles Leclerc uh, would start in tenth position in the Ferrari, even though he missed Q3. And Albon didn't even turn a time in Q3. No, no time set in Q3 at all, and would still start in ninth position. Um, it, it should be said that he was one. Of, he was the first one to elect slicks in Q2. Who Albon? Yeah, yeah. So he was the the standard bearer or the guinea pig, however you want to look at it. But some of the in car from from not, his not, car. Not, not only was he that, he set the fastest time in Q2. Yeah. He set the fastest time in Q2. A Williams set the fastest time in Q2. Yeah, that was pretty amazing. But you, if you looked at the in-car, and this was pointed out, you know, in slow motion, it doesn't look like much. When you realize the speeds that they're turning, that he's on slicks on a damp track, and there's, you know, these two drying strips of pavement yeah. around the track, and he has to balance himself and the car, you know, in and around those strips just to maintain adhesion, and heat in the tire, and he did a fantastic job, and he was rightly rewarded for it. He was. Uh, making it into Q3, we have not seen a Williams there, it uh, seems like, in forever, but um, the Williams, a bunch of updates coming onto the car uh, for Canada. A bunch of people brought updates to the car for Canada. Interesting, too. Yeah. yeah, because that's not normally where you would see a lot of updates. Spain, you would see updates typically, but a lot of updates coming to the car in Canada um, and Williams with some big updates, and it paid off for him getting a car into Q3. And I think the rate of updates that we're seeing is not, you know, the historical norm. I mean, no. normally it's just, you know, well, we're going to, you know, three or four races on this package and try and fine-tune it. Meanwhile, we're working on something else. These guys are throwing stuff at the car Yeah, at, in, in a major way. I mean, most notably, you know, Mercedes has dispensed with those silly shrink wrap side pods yeah and um you know they've become better for it yeah you know the zero pod from mercedes is gone the beautiful swoopy um gorgeous side pod from ferrari is gone and now everybody has a red bull side pod wonder why that works out because it's paying dividends for aston martin yeah Look, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Um, I've never understood why people get upset. Oh, well, it's just a copy. They're just copying Red Bull. Of course they're copying Red Bull. You would be an idiot not to copy Red Bull. Did you Have you seen the Red Bull? Do you, are you, do you know what it is capable of? You mean the car that in the first two races you were complaining because they had a 16, 17K advantage under DRS? Yeah, that car, you, you, know, you don't think you should copy them? Yeah. No, I think you should copy them. Yes, and you should. And, and But a lot of purists don't like that. No, you should have your own design and make your own design. Nah. Yeah, well, it is their own design. They still have to make it. I mean, Red Bull doesn't like send them the schematics right. of, of it. They don't send them the CAD file and say, here's here's our side pod CAD file. You know, you got to make your own. But yeah, copy the guy who's winning and dominating everything, who has won every single race this season, was dominant last season, uh, has the fastest car out there, yes, copy them. Something must be working. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, you, you, you're you wondering, you know, even in at the you know the NASCAR level, well, why are they faster? Well, they, yeah, their rear wings lay down, you know, or whatever kind of thing. Well, lay your rear wing down. They're, do whatever. Do, do what the other guys are doing. The if faster works, ones. do yeah. it. I'm with you there. So um, we get to race day. And we have seen some. We had the longest ever 
Formula One race was in Canada. Remember that? Jensen Button won it. Started from the front, went all the way to the back, worked his way back up to the front and won. Uh, it was in a brawn, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Just some, you know, some crazy races there over the years. Six pit stops. Yeah, stuff like that. Remember one year where everybody said this was still in the uh, grooved tire era when it was like, oh, yeah, don't change the right front tire or something like that. And nobody changed the right front tire and it came off with like the cord showing and everything. And there was, you know, there wasn't a rule that you had to change four tires at a pit stop. You could just change three if you wanted to. So everybody changed three tires and we had toyota back in the day they got a giant penalty um for bringing illegal brake ducts to canada one year and all that kind of stuff and you know it's been we've seen some interesting things in canada in the past weather has played a factor a lot weather not a factor today on race day where it was chamber of commerce weather and it actually was, there actually was, you know, some weather-related things because for some reason, nobody could predict what the tires would do. Yeah. No, no <laughs> because that, that, is in, that is an interesting point, is that nobody really knew what was going to happen with the tires. So we had a dry track, not a real big threat of rain, you know, it, it's going to be a dry race, and... Nobody really knew what to expect from tire wear, tire deg, uh, three you know compounds on offer, and everybody kind of just like, okay, we'll go with the hards, we'll go with the mediums, who knows? Because qualifying was wet, it wasn't like, oh, you have to start on this tire or that tire. Pick whatever you want. Well, and my understanding was there was not a lot of support races. So, no. you know, the rain that had washed, uh, you know, a good portion of the grip from the track, you know, after after qualifying, during and after qualifying, wasn't, you know, necessarily replaced by a bunch of support races putting rubber back down into the asphalt. And so you end up with this green track, again, that nobody really has any idea on, you know, you get these three reconnaissance laps, but what can you really tell from that? You're not yeah. running at speed, but... Uh, it's that was a curveball. It, it was. I love that curveball, by the way, because um, it it made for you know more pit stops and made for interesting tire strategy. Some you know some guys starting further back in the pack. Uh, you know what are they going to do? It made for an interesting race, and and it it threw up a yeah a lot of curveballs. So let's get to the race, shall we? We go to um, we go to the start. Um, and by by the way, full coverage on ABC. Um, great, you know, great ratings everywhere for Formula One. Huge numbers, getting much bigger numbers here in the U.S. You know the the Manning cast that they do for Monday Night Football on ESPN. Yeah, they did that for Formula One with Will Arnett and Danny and Danny Rick. And I, I flipped it over a couple times. I, I couldn't watch it. I've never really. I think the Manning cast is cool. I can't watch it, though, because um, I want to watch the game. Um, I think it's cool that they're doing this. Will Arnett, uh, you know, from Arrested Development, actor and all that kind of stuff. Uh, big F1 fan there with Danny Rick. Uh, at one point, they had Patrick Dempsey on the broadcast and all that kind of stuff. And I thought that was really cool that they did that. They're doing that for another for a few other 
um, uh, races this year that are kind of, you know, this time zone kind of thing. I think that's great that ESPN is supporting this. ABC is supporting this in the way that they are. You know, com- you know, no commercial interruptions today during the race. They're really throwing a lot at it. I'll also add to that, going back to last week, Motor Trend, you know, 24 hours of, or 26 hours of coverage, almost doubled the ratings from uh, 24 hours of Le Mans last year. Beautiful. Yeah. Over a quarter million people, 300,000 people or whatever it is, um, on average, watched, you know, a lot of the race, a lot of Le Mans, and, and some high numbers, too, throughout the course of Le Mans on Motor Trend, which is a channel that nobody really knows where it is. Right. Um, but great ratings. We've seen great support from the media. Really cool that they're doing all this other thing with the um, the grandstand, is what they're calling it, with Danny Rick, which is a great – I don't think you could have a better driver to have in there than Danny Rick. Yeah, I just I, – I couldn't buy in. You know, I started out watching a little bit of it. And just just wasn't me. Yeah, it's it's not it's not me either. But it hey, it's going to be for some fans. Oh, I I agree. You know, it's uh, it, it's neat because it's unique. It's not something that you get. I mean, yeah, the Manning cast. Okay, well that's football. That's you know, it's a little bit different. You know, the race fans haven't been you know exposed to something like this. Totally new, and so. You know, it might take some warming up too. I might check it out again, but today just wasn't that day. No, hey, look, it's the first time. Why? I'm, I'm, I'm gonna make a statement here. Our first show, probably not the best one we ever did. I don't know about that. Yeah. Well, it, it, I don't it know that I heard the first show. Yeah. Well, I was not here. Yeah, but but nonetheless, um, I think it's cool all the support that we're getting. So let's go to the race. We've got we've got Max. Starting from pole, and um, right next to him is Fernando Alonso, and right behind Max is Lewis Hamilton. And I'm thinking, you know, this is this, you've got that, okay, you know, you start, you make that little jog to the right, and you have that hard left hand, and you have that hard right hander. This is a great opportunity here for Fernando Alonso to make a move, throw it down inside of Max. Uh, you know, he's got to get a good start, he's got to get it hooked up. But he's got a great opportunity here, more so than a lot of tracks. Canada does lend itself to some really interesting starts. Yeah, um, and you're right that that left, you know, turn one left hander followed by the you know right hander turn two hairpin. Yeah, 180 degree corner. You know, is a two lane, you know, two lane groove. You know, I mean, two cars can go through there side by side, especially early in the race, and. And Fernando you, had himself an opportunity. Yeah, and then you've got a a right-hander for turn three as well. So, you know, Max starting on the left of the track, you've got a really good opportunity here to make a move and get something to work here. Get something to 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 throw something down on 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 Max and make something work. Well, and that's exactly what we saw. Somebody made a move. Somebody made a move, but it wasn't Fernando. It was Lewis Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton, first off, Max Verstappen got a great start. Lewis Hamilton got a great start. Fernando Alonso just didn't get a good start. You know, his reaction time was great, but the car just didn't pull away. I don't know if he got a little bit of wheel slip and had to pedal the car or what it was, but he just didn't get it hooked up like everybody else does. And, you know, when... 
when the car hooks up, it looks like it's shot out of a cannon. That's not the way it looked. Well, that's not the line. I mean, yeah. that's the dirty part of the track. So yeah. It, it, it was, you know, it was a little sad to see that he didn't quite nail it. But, you know, when you're at Canada, you can live with, you know, a mistake like that because the straights are so long, multiple DRS zones. So, yeah, we were set out. Um, it was a pretty interesting first stint. Yeah, mainly because nobody ran into each other, I, I think. You know, everybody basically got through the first, you know, lap, first couple corners clean. And nobody ran away from each other. Yes, nobody ran away from each other. Max is in the lead, and Lewis is right behind him and right on him basically that whole first stint. And, yeah, you know, okay, he, he's out of DRS, but he's not out of DRS by seven seconds. He's out of DRS by 1.7 seconds. And, you know, here comes Alonzo right on Lewis Hamilton, and he can't get by him with DRS, without it, all that kind of stuff. It is kind of nose-to-tail running for that first stint. Made for made for some very interesting um, strategy. What What's everybody going to do? And, you know, is it going to be a one-stop one race? Is it going to be a two-stop race? What's going to happen with tire deg? We don't know. And normally, okay, you get the start, all right, Max is out front, you know. Fast forward to the end kind of thing. Not the case today. Not the case today. Because it was it was a battle um, all through. You go through that first stint, you have um, Logan Sargent. Um, Williams comes on the radio and says, you know, stop the car, stop the car, stop the car. He stops the car, and there is a virtual safety car. Everybody slows down. And everybody slows down on lap six, I think it was, that he has, you know, he, you know, has whatever problem it is in the car. He stops the car, pulls over right next to a marshal stand, by the way. Heads up move there by Logan Sargent. Nicely done. And virtual safety car comes out. They push the car back. Virtual safety car comes out, comes off. And Max now has a bigger lead, though. It went from like 1.7 seconds or 1.9 seconds to three seconds. Yeah, it's weird how that works. So his lead grew by over a second during the virtual safety car. Well, we go back out, and that lead then stretches out to about four seconds. You know, it's it's not this running away with it that we've seen all year. Updates on the Aston, updates on the Mercedes, you know, different kind of track from Circuit to Catalonia. We head out there. Again, uh, after that first round of pit stops, no big issue on that first round of pit stops by uh, for anybody. Um, and then, well, we're out there pounding around, and here comes the Aston Martin right up the tailpipe of the Mercedes. And Fernando Alonso puts a great move on Lewis Hamilton, gets by clean. That is what happens when you have two world championship drivers racing each other. It's a great pass, clean pass. Yeah, it was a DRS pass and all that kind of stuff, but it was clean. No bumping and banging or anything, just good, clean racing. Gets by, and he sets off after um, Max Verstappen. And, you know, look, he's not catching him at a second a lap or something like that, but he's closing the gap a little bit, at least. 
Yeah, I mean, it was definitely not the, you know, maxathon that we've uh, been accustomed to seeing up to this point. Fernando had pace. He did. And when you have pace, it puts strains on the car that nobody can predict. And so we saw, you know, especially, you know, in back further in the in the pack where teams were getting messages across, you know, the the radio to look out for this, you know, cool the car. You saw guys running offline in places where they should have been in the draft getting a tow and the weather wasn't supremely hot. It was, you know, it was, yeah. you said Chamber of Commerce weather is very nice for Canada. Come on, you know, come visit Canada. Come visit yeah. Montreal. Okay, we're going to visit Montreal, but these race cars couldn't deal with it. Yeah. I mean, you had guys that were just, you know, running offline and basically damaging their ability to catch the guy in front because they were more concerned with brake cooling, engine cooling, and so forth. And so it was very odd to see that dynamic play out. And, and that was a problem for Max Verstappen as well. He was really struggling with the tires, kept radioing in to the point that, you know, the team came back and said, yeah, Max, we get it with the tires. Uh-huh. Yeah. Y you keep telling us about the tires. All right. Just put your head down and keep driving, man. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's there's two things there. He doesn't know what everybody else is going through. He's leading right. the race. He doesn't see these guys struggling in front of him. So, um, But he also, it's a, str a strategy thing, which I thought Max would be a little more attuned to. You don't want to be calling over the radio telling everybody that your tires suck. Yeah. And giving these guys an impetus to, you know, up the pace a little bit and try and run you down. Because, you know, that's, look. You don't show that's, weakness. That's that's blood in the water for Fernando Alonso. He for smelled sure. he smelled it. Uh, you know, you had Lewis Hamilton. He goes for um, the undercut. Uh, Max Verstappen um, or Fernando Alonso covers him. Uh, then you've got Max covers both of them, so no issues there. You got a safety car. Actually, you had a safety car before that. Uh, after um, or right after that, rather, um, for George Russell. After he slapped the turn four barrier, uh, ran into the turn four barrier, pulled a bunch of debris onto the track, safety car comes out, gathers everybody up, and all that kind of stuff. And no truth to the rumor, no truth that I could find to the rumor that it was weather related uh, from rain in his helmet. <laughs> not rain in his helmet. So the weatherman uh, did not have rain in his helmet uh, no in Canada. No truth to that. No truth to if it. If you hear about it, just be skeptical. Okay. All right. So um, with that, George Russell, they end up retiring the car um, because, you know, they, they get the car back, but they end up retiring the car later. Um, but we've got a race out front, but a race that keeps going in Max Verstappen's way, fights through the tire issues, all that kind of stuff. Max Verstappen goes on and wins the Canadian Grand Prix. Fernando Alonso finishes second. Lewis Hamilton finishes in third. But here is what's so interesting. Max Verstappen won by nine seconds. And this was not nine seconds that was just, you know, managed. Max Verstappen made a mistake with like seven or eight laps left, or five laps left, whatever it was, ran over the curbs in uh, the 8-9 complex, almost threw the race away. Giggled about it. Yeah. Then laughed about it on the radio. And, 
got it back together, finished the race, wins by nine seconds. But every other race, this is the first time that Red Bull has won by less than 20 seconds this season. Yeah, the gap is tightening. We can only hope it tightens a little faster because nine seconds is still a lot, you know, significant. Um, And, you know, as they close the gap further, it will become even more costly and and more difficult to make these kinds of gains. But everybody seems to be moving in the right direction. Yeah, they are. The Mercedes is faster. The Aston Martin is faster. You know, Alonzo was on the radio saying, look, I, I I want to win this race today. We can win this race today. You know, look, Max made a mistake. He proved he's human. We're, we, I, I was of the mind earlier in the, in the year that I don't think we're going to have a, another, you know, team win besides Red Bull this year. Look, Sergio Perez ain't got it. Max is human and can make mistakes, and it's going to take that happening. It almost happened today, but it didn't. But I think it will happen at some point this year uh, where Max is going to make a mistake and something's going to happen and he's not going to win. And, you know, Fernando or Lewis or whoever it is is going to come through and get a victory. Well, I think the other teams should be encouraged because Checo's strategy was Red Bull's strategy and it didn't work. Yeah, it didn't. And... That's not to say that, you know, Checo couldn't pull it off. It just didn't work. They started him on the hard tires. He was supposed to go 50 laps on those tires and then switch to mediums. And as you could tell, nobody got that. You know, when the when the uh, first round of pit stops were made prematurely, it was on you know, it was 12 or 14 laps in. And they took a free pit stop under the virtual safety car. And they were basically handed their very first pit stop. They're putting all, they're all putting on hard tires. They're going to go to the end. Yeah, nobody can make it. Nobody went to the end. I know. And this is the thing that I love. Um, I love more pit stops. You know, the idea of one-stop races should just be abolished. We shouldn't have one-stop races. It should be two, three, maybe even a four-stop race. It is more exciting the more pit stops you have. It just is, especially as exciting as the pit stops are. We had a lot of very close calls in the pits today, too. Um, you know, some some really kind of inter- some very interesting things where we had, um, you know, a lot of Close to unsafe releases, but not unsafe releases. We had a a penalty I had never seen before, an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, 15 yards. Yeah. Yeah, going against Lando Lando Norris. What what did he do that was unsportsmanlike? Did you catch it? I don't know. Yeah, well, he backed up the field in order to gap his teammates so that they could double double stop, you know, the cars. Double stack, okay. So... Well, that's and unsportsmanlike. That is yeah, you're right. It's a good penalty. 100%. Yeah. All right. Uh, it's weird because they didn't tell him what it was. They didn't say this is because you did it. or I mean, They just said you have an unsportsmanlike penalty five seconds at the end of the race or five seconds at your next, next pit stop. And they didn't tell him what it was. Yeah. <laughs> or at least that was never re- relayed to the media. So it, w- it was funny. You know, we, we have this penalty. We don't know what it's for. 
So let's run down the uh, finishing order. Max Verstappen wins. Fernando Alonso and Ast the Aston Martin finishes second. Lewis Hamilton for Mercedes in third. Charles Leclerc uh, in fourth. His teammate Carlos Sainz Jr. in fifth. Sergio Perez in sixth in the other Red Bull. Alexander Albon in the Williams finishes in seventh position. Great position. Uh, Driver of the day, too. Yeah. You know, well six, deserved. Six points for the Williams. Great for them. Esteban Ocon in the Alpine finishes uh, in eighth. Lance Stroll in ninth for the uh, Aston Martin um, team. And Valtteri Botas finishes out the top ten in the Alfa Romeo. You're a barbecue guy. Yeah, I am. Have you ever barbecued crow? No, I have not. Because I thought today that I was eating an entire bird. Well, my Matt, criticisms of Ferrari, yeah, and my criticism of Ferrari during the race. They're you know they started tenth yep. uh, and twelfth, I think it was. They're on the medium tire. They're not you know really gaining ground, not really moving up through the field in the way that I had hoped. And then here comes this pit stop. And here comes the safety car. This, yeah, safety car, and they don't pit. No, they take they take track position. And I'm thinking, what in the world are they doing? I did the same exact thing. Ferrari, the clown show is alive and well. What are you, you doing? You hear the music in your head. Benny Hill, yep. all that stuff. Yep. It worked out for him. It did. So I, maybe they fired the strategist and got the strategist who you know did the 24 hours of Le Mans over there. Um, because they had a great strategy to win at Le Mans last week. Uh, they had a great strategy to get them fourth and fifth today. My question, though, how much of it was luck? Because these guys were talking about 20 laps on the uh, medium tires, 50 laps on the hard. Obviously, the hard didn't go that long. Ferrari got nearly 40 laps out of the medium tire, which is how they were able to do a one-stop strategy when everybody else did two or three yeah. Pit stops. And in the end, you know, the Checo strategy was to go long on the hard tires and then switch to the mediums and then be faster than whoever was in front of him at the end because he, everybody else was switching to hard tires. Lo and behold, the Ferraris, after their pit stop, put on hard tires and they're pull, they're driving away yeah. from Checo. And I kept waiting for this. I was like, this is going to be a battle. This is going to be a battle. Signs is behind. He's a buffer to Leclerc. Doesn't really matter. Incidentally, team orders. Not something we're used to seeing either. Yeah. It was, I mean, Ferrari's strategy was bang on, and it was all about the team. Yeah, it was, because they said, all right, Signs isn't going to challenge. You know, have fun. By the way, that crow um, that you ate, Max Verstappen uh, killed it during the race. Ran into a bird. They found bits of bird in the brake ducts after the race. Ah, yeah, I'll have Dale Earnhardt at uh, Daytona. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Hit that seagull. Cost him the 500 win. Yep. Yeah. Well, it might have been a seagull, too, that he hit. I don't know. Um, seagulls can be some big birds. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is the uh, Canadian Grand Prix. And uh, from there, let's go to Road America, shall Beers we? Beers and brats, baby. Yeah. Bring them on. Why are, I really want to go to Road America. I think we should. I really want to go. I look. I want to drive there, yes, but I just want to go watch a race there. I just. I really want to go to Road America. The problem is, is it's in it's in Wisconsin, and it's a long way away. And it's not like you get a you know direct flight to uh, Elkhart. No. So 
Elkhart Lakes or yeah. But you can fly into uh, Miliwake. Yeah. Is that is that a reference to uh, Wayne's World? I like it. The deep pull. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, good one, my friend. It is good. Good call. It is. Um, so we are in uh, at Road America, new track surface uh, at Road America. It looks great. Um, and here's what they didn't do. They didn't do any other repavings or anything offline at Road America, which I'm all for. Because before it was just kind of, I mean, it was all just kind of the same bad track surface. Now, if you run off on the new track surface to the old track surface, the runoff area, there is no grip. Yeah. And that was evident uh, throughout the weekend, basically. And, you know, look, you're penalized. If you run off the track, you get penalized for it there at Road America. Same, same thing with the Canadian Grand Prix. You run off track, you drop a wheel, whatever it is, you're going to pay a price for it. Uh, and that happens at Road America. This is an old school track, man. Old yeah, it's track. a classic track. I mean, the Canadian Grand Prix is more of a street course type where the barriers are right up next to you and there's not a lot of uh, margin, you know, if you make yeah. a mistake. You know, the same holds true for Road America, but it's almost entirely because of the speeds that these guys are going. Yeah. You know, there's room to run off. You just don't want to because at most every place on the track, you're going incredibly fast. Really, really fast out there. Um, some really fast corners. I mean, the kink is just one of the coolest corners. Scary, frightening, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, the run through uh, Kettle Bottoms, which I think is just a cool name. You know, you got to run through Kettle Bottoms down the Canada Corner. Canada Corner is a great corner. Uh, the Earlier we were talking about some of the speeds and being higher. Uh, 13, turn 13, 14 corner track, turn 13, 10 miles an hour faster at apex, almost nine miles an hour faster through turn one at road America. I mean, this is a fast, fast racetrack. Now it has always been fast, but now it's just kind of crazy fast. Cars look great there. The racing was really good. Racing was fantastic. Um, Here's something that we don't often see. Everybody made at least three pit stops. Oh, my gosh. Two of the cars in the top ten made four pit stops. And it makes it, makes it exciting. Nobody tried to go 50 laps on a tire. It makes it exciting. It, it does. It really does. It absolutely does. Um, and, it, and it really reflects the team nature of the sport of racing. Yeah, it really does. Because, you know, one tire gun that doesn't operate or one guy that, you know, misses the jack, you know, raising point or whatever, you know, the jack lift slips or what have you, can cost these guys, you know, dearly. Yeah. And I, I think that we need a little bit more of that in Formula One. Yeah, we do. Because the race today was 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 great in the sense that it was kind of, it was like everything that an F1 race kind of could be. We've seen a lot of IndyCar races that are crash fests crash fests and disasters look racing in detroit was not good um memphis isn't much better nashville nashville yes um this was great this was everything that makes indycar racing great you know we didn't have why we go there yeah (laughs) we 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 didn't have you know some 
crazy, you know, last, you know, we didn't have all these caution periods and all this whatever, but we had some great racing and um, some different strategies out there, all that kind of stuff. A lot of different things at play. But at the end of the day, what you had was Colton Herta driving a great race, but strategy just didn't work out for him. You know, he needed a caution late in the race, needed to save some fuel. It didn't come, and he gets shuffled back, still finishes in fifth position. But Alex Palau went on to win for Chip Ganassi Racing, led 10 laps, but did a, you know, ran a great race. Ran a great race. Yeah, he's very quick this year. Really good. Joseph Newgarden finished in second. Pato Award in third position. Scott Dixon finished in fourth. Colton Herta. Uh, in fifth, Marcus Erickson in sixth, uh, Christian Lundegaard in seventh, Scott McLaughlin in eighth, Kyle Kirkwood in ninth, and Alexander Rossi uh, back there in tenth. It's a great result for Kyle Kirkwood because on lap one, in turn one, he was backwards sitting still, and he needed the, uh, well, it wasn't the pit lane proctologist. It was actually the trackside proctologist yeah. to get him going again. And he brought out the first caution. Yeah, he did bring out the first caution, but they were able to, you know, go out there, start it up, and you know, get and it that's going. That's something they wouldn't have in a Formula One. They actually, you know, the car actually died, and you know, the the crew on track restarted the car so he could continue. Well, now now in Formula One, I don't think you need to. I think with the hybrid, you yeah, just, I think you, they you start know, up. They have a starting mechanism. You you turn the hybrid on, it goes on hybrid power, and then you know you basically pop the clutch kind of thing. So, um, you know, look, more Road America, more all that kind of stuff uh, makes for some great racing, uh, makes for just it's just such a cool track to watch cars go around at. Makes it, for a pretty good Father's Day, too. It does. It does. Now, here's the downside. I think both of these races started at 2 p.m. Are you saying it doesn't leave a lot of time, you know, to watch everything before? We yeah, it, it it does. It doesn't leave. You time. know, yeah. Look, NBC is the broadcaster. Of course, you've got the U.S. Open this weekend, which means the U.S. Open, which is still going on right now, I think, because they're out in L.A. and whatever. So you get the U.S. Open on NBC, which means IndyCar is now on USA Network, but they're running right up against Formula One on ABC. Maybe we could, you know, look, IndyCar, I love you, but. Run yeah. it on Saturday? Yeah, run it on, or maybe they run it next week. I don't know. Who knows? They put on a good show. They do put on, they put on a great show. You hear a lot of the F1 guys talk about, yeah, I, I love watching the IndyCar stuff. IndyCar has, has come from a series that we used to make fun of all the time. To having some really good stuff going along, going on now, it's taking its time, but it's gotten a lot better. It's gotten a lot more exciting. Twenty-seven cars, too, starting. Well, I, th I think you had a couple of things. You know, we we've always had. You know, you remember the Nigel Mansell days. You know, he came across the pond and won himself a championship in kart. And we haven't seen much of that. Alexander Rossi did a little bit of Formula One, came back to the states. You know, won an Indy five hundred. Fernando embraced in his McLaren days the Indy 500 and, you know, did the double kind of thing. And um, I think that kind of started it. And then, you know, next thing you know, then you've got Roman Grosjean 
leaves Formula yeah. One. He ends up near, you know, K Mag has run a, a car um, a little bit. No, he ran sports cars. I'm sorry. He did not run IndyCar. Um, so we're starting to see a little cross pollination between the two. And when you have that, you know, my guess is, you know, these guys are all friends in some way. So there's a little bit of communication. You know, somebody in Formula One has a little curiosity about IndyCar. They call Rome and, you know, he says, hey, I'm having a great time over here. Marcus Erickson is in here. He's, you know, winning races and contending at the uh, Indy 500. Actually, he won an Indy 500. So they see that. And, yes, you know, you're as a European um, or maybe an Asian driver, your lifelong goal is to race Formula One. But it doesn't mean if you don't get there or it doesn't mean if your stay in Formula One is short that you run out of options. Yeah. IndyCar is a tremendous series now. And we couldn't have said that seven or eight years ago. No, we, we wouldn't have. The cars were unattractive. They were... They didn't sound good. The show wasn't great. The rule set wasn't, you know, conducive to, you know, a great product for the racing fan. And they've totally turned that around. Yeah, they've they've done a, a really good job. You know, Roger Penske coming in and buying Indianapolis, buying the, you know, you know, Indianapolis Motor Speedway and IndyCar, I, I think has has, you know, re injected and reignited uh, a lot of interest into IndyCar, uh, and I don't think that should be discounted. That you know, having his backing, uh, you know, this you know captain of industry who is in charge of it now, who's not a young guy but a hardworking guy too, man. I mean, well, he's and, and a team owner that has yeah. you know the same level of passion that the other team owners have. Not you know somebody who's simply a businessman looking to capitalize on television or whatever where the priorities are not the finished product they're just to make a buck yeah well um let's run down the uh standings um uh real quick shall we um and uh well let's stick with uh um should we stick with indycar sure um chip ganassi uh racing uh leads the um standings uh, what's the driver standing, driver standings first? Alex Palau um, leads Marcus Erickson second. Joseph Newgarden in third. Uh, Chip Ganassi uh, followed Chip Ganassi number ten car followed by their eight car followed by Pinsky in third position in Formula One. Uh, the standings as we sit now. Why are, I'm gonna let you guess? Do you know who is leading? I do. You do? And that's because I've watched this person win all but one race this two. year. Well, all but two. <laughs> in those two races, he finished in second. Azerbaijan and Saudi Arabia are the two races that he did not win. Max Verstappen leads 195 points. Sergio Perez is in second, 126. What is, what is that, 179 points clear? Yeah. Oof. 69. 69. Uh, I don't know. I'm not a math major. 69. Fernando Alonso uh, sits there in third position. Um, Fernando is, I think he's got a bit between his teeth now. His, Checo is within striking distance. It's only nine points. so He is. Yeah. And I, I think the pace that Fernando has shown versus what Checo has shown us lately, I think he sees himself, you know, as a, is where he should be, is second place. 
Yeah, and, and, and I, think he, I think he wants to be there. Lewis Hamilton in fourth, Carlos Sainz uh, in fifth position. Constructors Championship, Red Bull uh, way out front there, um, followed by Mercedes, Aston, um, and then Aston Martin, uh, Ferrari back there in fourth, Alpine in fifth position. So, why are we actually, uh, we don't have any uh, Formula One, we don't have any IndyCar next week. But what we do have is another race that I've always wanted to go to. Used to be held. Lime Rock? Yeah, Lime Rock. Yeah, you, you said it. How'd you guess? Actually, I think Lime Rock would be a really cool place to watch a race. I just hate watching them on TV because the racing is boring. It would be a beautiful. It looks beautiful. Oh, it yeah. It looks like a beautiful no, part the of the country. around it is just gorgeous. It looks like a beautiful part of the country. All that kind of stuff. Um, and a place to go watch cars drive by. Awesome. For a place to watch racing, Lime Rock ain't it. Yeah. But we're not going to Lime Rock. Six hours of the Glen next week, my friend. You have six hours in your schedule? <laughs> between Le Mans last week, between two races today, uh, it's going to be a little bit tough, I think, next week to say, yeah, i got to sit on the couch for six hours and watch uh, six you got to do what I do. What's that? The wife goes to bed at some point. She does, yeah. You just... You just put it off, break out the DVR. Yeah, your favorite beverage. And okay. Sit down and you watch it. Yeah, it's, it's not it's not brandy, by the way. <laughs> Definitely whiskey. We established that. Yeah. Although I, I made a, made a little margarita the, this afternoon. Pretty pretty tasty. Pretty tasty. Pretty tasty. So wire uh, six hours at the Glen Watkins Glen, another racetrack that is an absolutely spectacular racetrack. Six-hour race, the third longest race, or fourth longest race on tap for IMSA uh, this season. Everybody's back from Le Mans, all that kind of stuff. So, Wire, let's go to um, GT, shall we? I don't have the entry list in front of me. I don't have the I don't I don't have that, but uh, I'm I'm gonna go with um, coming off of their pseudo win. Um, in uh, Le Mans, I'm going to say Corvette gets it done at Watkins Glen. Okay, All I don't right. think I, I think that's a stretch. Okay, I, I think it's asking a lot. Um, although momentum is something you know you really want going into another six-hour race, but I'm going to say that uh, you know some of these guys had a little bit of time off because of Le Mans. I'm going hard of racing Aston Martin. I like it. I like it. Um, let's, uh, do you want to do GTD, uh, am or not am, but GTD then how about, um, well, uh, okay. Let's just, let's just jump up to, uh, let's just jump up to, um, GTP, shall we? Sure. All right. Cadillac, Porsche, Acura. Don't have the, you know, no Toyotas there, no Ferraris there, all that kind of stuff. BMW's there though. Wire, who are you thinking? Who you got to win the six hours at the Glen in GTP? I mean, anything can happen in a six-hour race. BMW is still, you know, we don't know where they're at. Um, this could be the race that they get on top. I don't think so. I think Porsche is making strides, and I'm going to look for the Porsche nine six three. All right, okay. Um, who you got? You know, they had a good run, and uh, I, I 
I'd love to pick a Cadillac, but I'm not. I'm going to say um, I'm going to say an Acura comes through and wins, and I'm going to say it's uh, the Meyer Shank car. Good so, so on that note, hard to argue. We'll talk about it next week. Thanks everybody for listening. Happy Father's Day, by the way. Indeed. On that note, we're out of here. Until next week. Bye-bye.